Hey, this is Brandon Emma Richardson, and we are the pastors here at Slate Church based in Waterloo, Ontario, and this is our Sunday podcast. We really hope this message inspires you to lean into all that God has for you. If you would like to get connected with us, follow us on social media or go to slatechurch.com. And hey, it helps us a lot if you would rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast. Join us for today's message. Hey, church. Excited to be with you. We are smack dab in the middle of August, if you can believe that already. September is right around the corner. Hopefully you are still enjoying these days of summer, these weeks of summer that are going on. And hey, we just have finished up a series last week called Death to Flesh. And we are just taking a week this week just to talk about something that I feel like God has just placed on my heart that he's spoken to me and I want to share it with you and I want to bring it to you today. So I hope that's okay. And we're going to dive right into scripture and go to Matthew 26 verse 36. I'm just going to read for you. This is just before Jesus goes and dies on a cross. And and he is in the garden of Gethsemane with his disciples. And it says this in verse 36, then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Luke 22, Luke's account of the same situation, verse 42 says, uh, he, he recounts Jesus saying, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for the opportunity just to, to speak here and to teach out of your word. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak through me today. In your name, amen. Amen. Well, if you're taking notes today, you can entitle this message, Not My Will. Not My Will. You know, when I was a kid, I have been told at least, but you know what, I can also remember many of these occasions, that I was a strong-willed child, okay? I think I've talked about this before. Many of you who know me would not probably be surprised by this fact that I'm sharing here. It's not shocking brand new information or anything like that, but I was a strong-willed child to the point that my parents actually bought a book about it, okay, of like raising a strong-willed child. And I had a conversation with my parents probably about a year ago saying like, do you still have that book? I mean, I've got some kids of my own now and it seems like that's tripled, okay? I've got three strong-willed kids and the third one is the strongest willed of them all. And the other day, so I borrowed this book from them, it was up on our bookshelf. And the other day, our daughter Claire, who's two years old and can talk like she's five years old and, uh, and just knows what she wants and goes after it and is full tilt with it. All of a sudden, she casually is walking into my room, flipping through a book, and it's that book. She pulled it off the shelf, and she's just training herself now what it, what it means to be a strong-willed child and how to handle it. She's getting all of my tricks, and she's using them against me. I'm telling you right now, I got to keep an eye on that kid. But listen, whether you are strong-willed or you are maybe feeling a little weak-willed or maybe you're just average with your will— We all have a will. We all have desires. We all have thoughts. We all have things that we want. You know, Jesus is in the garden and he's, he knows he's about to die a brutal death. He knows he's about to be arrested. He knows that this is difficult and he cries out to the father. He's saying, please take this from me. 
I know that they are after me from all directions. This is too heavy to bear. This is too much to bear. And yet, he goes on, and in my paraphrase, or perhaps elongated version, he says, not my desires, not my plans, not my intentions, not my aspirations, not my fears, not my struggles, not my difficulties, not what I want, but what you want to be done, Father. Not my will, but yours be done. You see, in that moment, Jesus is actually totally overwhelmed. We can see that in scripture. He demonstrates his humanity, but he also shows his relationship to the Father. Not my will, but yours. You see, so many of us are actually living lives with our days like packed full. We're living lives uh, with anxiety bubbling at the surface and sometimes overflowing, feeling overwhelmed and underqualified, believing the lies about our lack of worth that maybe we are feeling, expecting that we can do it all, expecting that we can be it all. And sometimes it just feels so tiresome. We're focused on what we think we need, what we want, what we desire, what we aspire to. And it can feel like the people around us, unbeknownst to them, are even just adding to this. Like, what are you planning to do for the fall? What are you planning to do with your kids? What's going on with this job? What are you doing for the rest of your life? How about your retirement? That's coming. Like, we're just, there's so much pressure. Sometimes it feels to be able to go after what we think and what we want and what we need. You know, for some people watching this and maybe you haven't decided to give your life to Jesus and maybe you're not a Jesus follower, maybe your thought here would be, uh, if you were to take that same phrase that Jesus says, maybe you would turn it around and say like, my will and not yours be done. You know, like, like why would I follow you? My, my will be done in this. But I wonder if for many of us actually, we would read this and if we were honest with ourselves, if we were to say that same statement and maybe we do subconsciously make this same statement through our actions and through the way that we live our lives, it's actually we're saying like my will and your will be done. Like we want to have it both ways, right? Like my will, I want, I want what I want. I want what I desire to be done. But God, I also want what you want. Like don't get me wrong here. I also want to see your kingdom come. I also want to see your will be done. But I want my will to be done too. I want to have my cake and eat it too. I want both of those things to come together. We want to be able to hold on to control, hold on to our desires, hold on to what we want and see God's will be done. You see, this doesn't mean that our will and God's will are always at odds with one another, right? Like, it's not that, that all of a sudden everything that God's will would never be what we will, right? That what, what God desires isn't what we desire. You might even say, okay, well, I know that in, in Psalm 37, it says that God will give me the desires of my heart, right? So, so I, I, it's okay if I have these wills and these desires because God's going to give those to me. But we can't forget about the beginning of that verse where it says, take delight in the Lord, focus on him, turn to him, look to take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. There's an assumption there that those desires are going to be in line with God's desires. You see, when we find ourselves in a challenging situation, a difficult situation, these things are just kind of uh, exponentially grown, right? Because this is where it becomes difficult to look to God and say, not my will, but yours be done. When it feels like everything is coming at us from all sides, when we're facing difficulty, when we're under stress, when we're feeling overwhelmed, which just seems to be a common emotion for people these days, when we're just feeling kind of stretched thin, this is when it becomes even more difficult to make this statement of not my will, but yours. It becomes difficult to recognize who is in charge. 
But what does it actually look like to make that statement? And why is this important that we actually look to Jesus' example and take that same posture in our own lives of not my will, but yours? What does this statement actually do for us? I want to give you four quick things here of what this statement does. And the first is this, it redirects our pain and uncertainty. Jesus comes to the Father and he shows his pain. Like he puts it out there. He's like, this is too much to bear. I don't know if I can handle this. I don't know if I can do this. But it redirects to not my will, but yours. It redirects and says, I'm not going to stay here in this difficulty. I'm actually going to turn and trust you. It's the same for us. You know, God is a good father. We are loved so much by him. And he can handle your struggle. He can handle the challenge that you're facing. If you're stressed out at work, if you just don't know what's going on in your relationship, if you're just frustrated by things that are happening and the way that this pandemic has been handled, maybe you're dealing with a a, a diagnosis in yourself or your family or you're grieving. There can be so many things going on in life, big and small. You might just be worried about something your kid said the other day to another kid. And you're like, am I doing this right as a parent? Bring it to God. He wants to hear what is on your heart. He wants to know what is going on. You don't have to pray perfectly. You don't have to pray eloquently. You don't have to feel like you have all of the right words to say, but just genuinely and vulnerably bring that to God. But let's not stop there, right? Because so often we're like, okay, God, I've talked about it enough. Now I've kind of figured out what I can do. Okay, thanks, good chats. And we need to actually have a level of redirection here and saying, as much as these things are heavy, I actually don't have to carry them. As much as these things are difficult, I can't walk away from here just feeling like I'm going to just pick these all back up and head out. That's what so many of us do. We drop these things and we're like, okay, God, I'm going to give these to you. And we're like, on the way out, we're like, I'm just going to take them back real quick and head out the door. And then I'll be back tomorrow and I'll drop them off again, okay? And we'll see what happens then. Right, we actually have to recognize and redirect our thoughts to the Father, redirect our thoughts to trusting Him, redirect ourselves to, to believing that He is actually good and has good things for us. By taking that time to make that statement, it actually redirects our pain and uncertainty. The second thing is that it allows us to endure hardship. You know, if we look to this example of Jesus in the garden, right after this, okay, immediately following this, in that garden, All of a sudden we see one of uh, the disciples, one of Jesus' closest followers who walked with him through the miracles, who saw who he was. They come with soldiers armed and, and he betrays him. Judas comes and says, this is him. This is the guy. Gives him a kiss. And they take him and they arrest him and they lead him to his death. I can't even imagine the brutality of that. Like, I can't even imagine someone that is so close to you and standing with you coming and just totally betraying you to the point of death. Jesus had every right to totally break down in this moment in his own humanity, but he had already made the choice to submit. He had already made the choice no matter what he faced. Of course, Jesus is God, and there's this whole element here that we can't just superimpose ourselves there, but we can look to his example, right? Jesus chose to submit 
to the Father. Jesus chose to, to, to submit to his will. So he didn't start fighting back. He didn't start like condemning them. He didn't start doing all of the things that maybe you would want to do in that situation. He chose to submit to God's will and he followed through on it. When we say, not my will, but yours, we are putting a stake in the ground and saying, God, I'm going to trust you in the difficulty. I'm going to trust you in the storm. And it allows us to actually walk through it. As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we actually get to walk through it because, and, and the psalmist says, I will fear no evil because you comfort me because he is looking to God. Yeah. Number three, it brings out the reality of control. You know, many of us want to be in control. Many of us like to be in control. We struggle with verses like Proverbs 19, 21. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. We're like, we just want all of the control. And there's only so much we control. If, we, if you've learned anything in the past couple of years, you've probably learned that, that we only get to control. We only have so much control. But the challenge is, is that sometimes our security and our faith and our uh, uh, feelings of safety are all wrapped up in control. If I feel in control, if I'm in control, if I, it seems like I'm in control, I feel good. I feel secure. I feel strong. I feel confident. I can go out. I can tackle the world. I can apply that message because I am in control of what is going on in my life. But the challenge when we rest in control in ourselves is that all of a sudden when that control is gone or something happens or something comes into it, all of a sudden we feel totally insecure and unsafe and we have no sure footing and everything falls out and we, we stop going to church and we stop reading our Bible and, and we can't trust that friend anymore and we shut people out and we we start doing these things just based on a change of circumstance we have to recognize that God is in control and by actually making this statement of it's not all about me it's all about you and I'm going to focus on you we start to release that control and we don't become so fragile to the change of wind in our lives the fourth thing is this it gives longevity to our faith you know, when we're focused on our will and our desires, we start to run into the issues of feelings and of thoughts, okay? So what happens here is that if we can think and if we can make sense of something, then our faith feels strong, right? Maybe you're a thinker. Maybe you're someone who lives up in logic. Maybe you're somebody who, who likes to think things through. And if you can think it through logically, then you're good and you're solid and you're strong. But the challenge then is when we face a situation or something comes up in our lives or, or something happens to a friend or, or something goes on and we can't seem to make sense of it in our limited knowledge and understanding, all of a sudden our faith is shaken. All of a sudden we're like, oh, can I really trust God? I don't know. I, I, I can't really get there in my head. Or maybe you're a feeler. Maybe you're someone who feels really deeply. And when all of a sudden the feeling isn't there that you want to follow Jesus or the feeling isn't there that God is good or the feeling's not there because you haven't been in person in live worship in the last year, the feeling isn't, isn't, isn't going on for you, then all of a sudden your faith is struggling and your faith is weak and your faith is, is having a hard time. This statement of not my will but yours be done actually provides longevity because it's not about what we think. It's not about what we feel. It's actually proclaiming that God is greater than us. Then the almighty me, it releases pride and it comes with humility. You see, it's actually out of this place that we can be fully the people that God has called us to be. But of course, this begs the question of what is God's will, right? If, if we're going to say, not my will, but your will be done, like we, what is his will? This is the question. We've, we've kind of made this mysterious. 
I don't know what God's plan is for my life. I'm trying to figure out what God plan, God's plan is for my life and what his will is and what that looks like. You see, we're actually fortunate because God has given us this whole book, which gives us an indication and an indicator of what God's will is. We don't have to go and search. We don't have to go find ourselves. We don't have to go find God in some mysterious place. God has already spoken. And yet so many of us are like, ah, I don't know if I need to read that. Like, I don't know if I need to dig into that. I don't know if I need to understand that. I don't know if I need to, to really, really say. It's, a, again, based on how I think, based on how I feel. You see, Jesus had a very specific purpose. This is, the, this is his purpose. He came to live a perfect life, and he died as a sacrifice for all of us so that we could have relationship with the Father, so we could actually have eternal life, so we could be saved from our sinfulness and our brokenness. That was Jesus' purpose. But Jesus actually gives us insight into what our purpose is before he ascends into heaven, after he raises from the dead. He says, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He says again to his followers, like the, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, and then I want you to go out. And it's a pretty crazy thing that sometimes we find ourselves questioning this so much. Our purpose, the will of God, is that we would go and make disciples, that we would tell other people about him, that we would love him, that we would surrender to him, that we would release to him, that we would find our hope and our strength in him. It is not so complicated. It is not such a crazy thing. It's actually pretty clear. You see, a life surrender to God that says, not my will, but yours be done, will always be put on mission for God. That's going to be what happens when you make this statement. God will put you on mission. When you turn to scripture, when you say, not my will, it's always mission focused. It's always go and do this. Go and love people. Go and care for people. Meet people where they're at. And I love what Paul says to the Philippians in chapter 4. Because he's found the secret sauce, okay? He's thanking them for the gifts that, that they've given. He said, so I'm not saying this because I'm in need. or for, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry. Whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Paul's saying, I can do all of it because my focus is on Christ. I can do all of the, it doesn't matter what my circumstances are. I, be, I can be content anywhere because my focus is on Christ. Not my will, but his be done. See, sometimes we get so freaked out by the immediate. And listen, it doesn't mean that things aren't going to be tough in your life. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have big emotions around things. It doesn't mean you're gonna have, not going to have difficult thoughts. You know, that diagnosis that maybe you got or someone you love got, that's huge. That mental health challenge that you're going through, that's really difficult. That marriage that's breaking down and you don't know what to do and you don't know how to go around the same bend again, that's a difficult thing to be facing. These are hard things. And I want to just acknowledge that today, that these are big, challenging things that you're navigating, whatever it may be, whatever you're in need of. And I encourage you, bring it to God. But don't just leave it in the realm of pouring out your heart. Make the choice to submit to him. The difference between a content, faith-filled, Jesus-following life and a life focused on, this, on the struggle is the choice of submission. You know, I was at a funeral recently, and this woman, she had, she had passed away in her 80s, and, uh, and I was there, and, you know, every person that came up to talk about her, it was just amazing to hear a bit about her life. 
You know, she was widowed uh, early on in life in a very tragic way. She faced really debilitating medical diagnoses later in life, and it really kept her kind of homebound to her place. And there were challenges that she faced, things that really could have taken her out. Things that would have maybe given her every reason to turn away from God and her faith. Things that many of us can't even fathom dealing with at this point in life or, or maybe a, 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 at any point in life. And yet, testimony after testimony, story after story of how her ministry, her perspective, her faith, the way that she cared for people, the way she encouraged people, the way she was on mission, the way she loved people, her life from the quiet of her apartment, a life quite unassuming, someone who couldn't even go out and get her own groceries, touched thousands and thousands of people because she had an openness to follow faithfully in what God had called her to do. You see, in that Her kids said that she had made a choice to focus on the faithfulness of God. And that choice didn't just affect her, it affected so many others. And this is the difference that a choice makes. It doesn't mean you won't have difficulty or horrible things won't happen to you. You know, in fact, Jesus actually guarantees it. John 16, 33, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. We are going to have trouble. We are going to have difficulty. But we need to be reminded often that God has overcome the world so that we don't fall into places of anxiousness, fear, or doubt when difficulty comes our way. And if we're to be honest, our inability to submit, if we were to really get real here, it's maybe a a sign that we're having some difficulty trusting. Maybe it's actually a sign that we have some doubt in our lives that God's will is actually good that it's actually better than ours, that he is actually going to take us through the storm that we are facing. I know I can grow in this. I know sometimes I'm like, okay, God, I've got this. I'm just gonna read another book. I'm just gonna Google another thing. I'm just gonna talk to another person. I'm just gonna figure this out because it's, you know, it's my situation. It's my kid. It's my problem. It's my thing. And I'm not totally sure that you're gonna follow through on this one. So I'll just, I'll just take care of this. And I don't say that verbally, but sometimes my actions scream it out loud because I'm not submitting to him. You know, there's a story in scripture found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Jesus had been teaching and he was healing many people. And he decides to go across across the, to the other side of the lake and he leads the disciples on a boat and off they go and they take off and they go out. And all of a sudden this huge storm comes up. Okay, this is massive, like waves crashing over. Like this is not some small thunderstorm. This is a big deal. And the disciples are in this place where we are, they're going, we're gonna die. Like this boat is going under. Again, like we read these stories and we're like, oh yeah, there was a storm, big thing. Like they thought they were gonna die. Can you imagine the fear that they were experiencing? And then they go down and they find Jesus sleeping on a cushion. Like, what is he doing? They're like, what's going on? Wake up. We're going to die. Like, don't you care about us? And Jesus gets up and he's like, okay. And the storm stops, right? Like everything stops. And he goes, man, do you still not have faith? Like, you've just watched me do all these miracles. You've watched me heal these people. You've watched me teach. You know who I am. Do you still not have faith? I wonder what is it going to take for you to trust him? What's it going to take to not be moved by the storms of life, to not allow what is in front of us to determine our response without looking to what Jesus says about it? Not my will, but yours be done. You see, the choice to submit, to, to rest in him, to stop and breathe, to trust in the difficulty is yours to make. 
But it doesn't mean that Jesus is always going to calm the storm. You know, sometimes we're like, okay, I'm going to turn to Jesus and he's going to calm the storm. That's not always true. We see another, another situation where the disciples are on a boat in Matthew 14 in a storm. Wind is blowing. Waves are big. And in verse 28, Peter's looking out and he sees Jesus is walking on the water. Like, come on. This is like another level. He's walking on water. This is not iced over, okay? He's not skating by. He's walking across the waves. And Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. I love Peter's like, yeah, I'm going to come out there with you. Tell me to come to you on the water. And I mean, it's a little opportunistic, right? You're like, okay, now's my chance to walk on water. This is never going to happen again. And Jesus says, come. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, and he caught him. But he says, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they climbed back on the boat, the wind died down. You see, we need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and not our circumstances. I think this is really significant right now. As we're going into the fall, as parents, you're going into another school year with your kids. Maybe university students, you're headed into another year and there's still uncertainty around what things are going to look like. Maybe you're headed back into your office, into a physical work environment, or maybe you're, you're staying at home for the long run. Maybe things are going on in your life and it's so easy to focus on our circumstances. It can be so easy to lose faith when it seems like the storm around us is not subsiding, when it feels like, oh, we're starting to sink. We need to make sure that we are focused on Jesus. Keep your eyes set on him. Keep submitting to him. Not my will, but yours be done. We need to make a choice to trust him. The choice is yours today. If you're going to choose to trust that God is who he says he is, we see the ultimate example in Christ, but we see stories of it all throughout scripture. Doesn't mean your situation's going to change. His ways are higher. It doesn't mean that we're going to understand why this happened. His ways are greater. It doesn't mean that we are going to have a full revelation of what all the difficulties we've been through mean or all the things that we're facing mean. And I'm not saying it's not hard, but God is still good and he is still faithful and your life is going to be drastically different if that's the choice you make to focus there and trust God. I'll finish with this verse, Isaiah 55, 8 to 9. This is the Lord speaking. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have it all together. It's not dependent on you and you making it all work. We actually can just rest easy. Not my will, but yours be done. You know, maybe you are listening to this and you're like, man, I need to make a commitment. I want to make a commitment to follow Jesus. I just want to turn my life to him. I want to release it to him. I, I want to say this really for the first time. Not, it's not about me, but God, I'm going to make it about you. I just, want to, I just want to pray for you, really. It says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. He came to save you. And so if that's you today, there's a button popping up in the chat if you're watching online. If you're at a watch party, why don't you just raise a hand in the air? I just want to pray for you right now, and you'll get more information at the end of the service. Jesus, I thank you for everyone making this decision to follow you, to look to you, to realize that they don't have to have it all together. They don't have to have it all figured out because you cover us completely. Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice that you made. I thank you for the decisions being made all across this place. 
We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Listen, maybe you're, you're listening right now and you're just going, man, I got I to gotta recommit to, to this. Not my will, but yours be done. Maybe you've been carrying a heavy burden. You've been, you've been picking it back up and you've been wearing it around and, and it's just too much to handle. You're just tired of trying to figure it all out and trying to make these calculated decisions, trying to feel right. Maybe it's actually driving you away from your faith when really you just need to submit to a good father who loves you, who cares about you. And so today, if that's you, I simply want to pray for you. And I would encourage you right now, wherever you are, just to put your hands out and surrender, right? This is like an ultimate sign of surrender. Just your hands out and release this to God. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you came, that you died, that you rose again, that you set an example for us of what it looks like to be faith-filled. God, I thank you that you can relate to our humanity, but that you are also fully God. So Lord, right now we pray for every single person who's struggling with this, with trying to figure it out on their own and fearful of decisions being made and fearful of situations that they're facing and unsure when the storm's going to stop and feeling that your goodness relies on the weather (laughs) in our lives in some ways, God. Right now we say, you know what, no matter what's going on around us, we're going to trust you. No matter what is happening, no matter what doors seem to be closing, no matter what things we are facing, we're going to trust you. We're going to look to you. We're going to walk through the difficult times, all for your glory, because you are good. You see the outcome, and we look to you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to our Sunday podcast. To hear more messages like these, be sure to share and subscribe. We're thankful for all that God is doing in our church right now. We would love to have you be a part of what is going on. You can connect with us by filling out a connect card online at slatechurch.com. And hey, stay tuned for more content coming soon.